It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Incredible play. 35-yard touchdown. Alan Lazard, six foot five frame, needing every bit of it. Oh, Hartman's still going. Inside the 10, and he is in for the touchdown. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Breaking away. Garrett Wilson. Wilson, a big play downfield. Wilson's still going along the sideline. He's not going to go down. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning. 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinnen Williams. What a beast. Number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it is time for part two of the weekend mailbag. So for that, we bring back our friend who is the editor over at JetNation.com, Mr. Glenn Naughton. So let's jump right back into the mailbag. Next question comes in from Michael Pallas. He asks, is it just me or are people outside the Jets bubble suggesting ridiculous trades that would be a huge mistake for them? In this Aaron Rodgers trade so they can poke fun at the same old Jets. I don't think that's what's happening. Honestly, I think most of the people that are suggesting the ridiculous trades are either Packers content creators or fans or national media that aren't really looking under the hood as to the reality of the Rodgers contract and the fact that nobody else wants this contract and the Packers absolutely have to get rid of Aaron Rodgers. Because on the surface, you think Aaron Rodgers. Last year, a little bit of a down year. He had the thumb injury. He had the new players. But the two previous years, back-to-back MVPs, And he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And here's what Russell Wilson just went for. Here's what Deshaun Watson just went for. So you have to figure the Jets would have to give up a ton to go get Aaron Rodgers. But again, they're not looking at it and dissecting it the way that people inside the Jets bubble are. Because people inside the Jets bubble have to know every single detail of this to really understand the potential parameters of any deal. And to understand what's fair and what's not, given all the information that exists. And so that's why somebody like me or somebody like you, Glenn, will say, if all told, the value ends up equaling a pick around 31 or 32 in the NFL draft, which this proposed deal would probably be in that neighborhood if the rumors are true. Now, let's back up a little bit and talk about the reports. The reports are that it would be a second round pick in 2023, a second round pick in 2024, and Corey Davis, the Jets would get a third round pick back in 2025 if Aaron Rodgers only plays one year. So if you add that up, the value on the draft value chart would be right around that 31-32 range, which is more than I would personally be willing to give up just because, Glenn, we've talked so much about how the Packers are completely boxed in. They have nowhere else to trade Aaron Rodgers, and they have to get rid of him. They can hold him for a few months if they want, but in the end, the result is the same. Only team that wants him is the Jets, and they have to get rid of him. So I wouldn't offer as much as the Jets are offering, but I think it's a reasonable deal. And Jets fans, whether they love it or not value-wise, I'm sure that they can all wrap their heads around it. But I think the fact that this thing got built up is mostly a product of fans and media from the Packers wanting all of this for this all-time great player, despite the realities of the contract and the age of Aaron Rodgers and how long he's likely to play. And the national media simply looking at it as Aaron Rodgers, great quarterback. Well, great quarterbacks tend to go for a ton, so Aaron Rodgers should go for A, B, C, D, E, F, G. 
I don't think there's any kind of orchestrated plan here to laugh at the Jets, although I'm sure if the Jets gave up way more than they should, there would be plenty of laughing. And I'm sure that if it doesn't work out with Aaron Rodgers, there will also be plenty of laughing. Yeah, I think we we touched on it briefly last time, right? And we said that the, the national folks aren't they don't have the time or the, 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 the willingness to dig deep on all of the details. So they just look at Hall of Fame quarterback, team needs a quarterback, gotta be a one. Has to be a one, has to be a two. Um, you know, some people, of course, you know, some of it's hyperbolic. Some of it's just lack of knowledge. We've seen ESPN folks say the Jets should give up two ones without question. Um, and, it, you know, which is just completely insane. Uh, the most comforting thing to me, you know, the 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 talk of the, the deal you just mentioned, the two twos and the conditional and the three, even that worries me because I feel like it's too much. But the one thing that, that I found, um, you know, gave me a little bit of put me at ease. And I think I said it last time I was on. It was that the, my number one question is, why in the world is nobody talking about the fact that this is very likely a one-year deal? I've said it 50 million times. I'm tired of saying it, but I feel like it's the most important aspect of the deal is that you're trading for a guy who is very likely giving you one season. So when, when the reports of that offer leaked and the, the supposed holdup was Joe Douglas insisting on another pick should Aaron Rodgers walk away after one year, I just thought, well, thank God. Like, thank God that's a, a, a top priority on Joe Douglas' list. Because to me, it's the number one issue, and nobody's talking about it. All I hear anybody say is that the Jets need a quarterback, Rodgers is a Hall of Famer, Hall of Fame quarterbacks aren't cheap, and, you know, he's two MVPs, they talk about the accolades, they talk about the history, but no one ever, at least that I've seen, no one stops and says, guys, are we going to talk about the fact that this is a one-year rental? And so the fact that that's a high priority for Joe Douglas, I feel better about that. But I still hope it's not two teams. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from RX David fifteen. He asks, "Why a thirty-nine turning forty-year-old quarterback in Aaron Rodgers over twenty-six-year-old Lamar Jackson?" I've had a lot of conversations about this, both on the show and off the show. And in a vacuum, of course, you would rather have Lamar Jackson. He's twenty-six years old. You have a much longer window with him, even if you think that he's not going to be able to hold up for another 10 years like a lot of quarterbacks would at 26 years old. Even if you only think he's giving you four to five years, that's still a significantly longer window than Aaron Rodgers. And ultimately, if you're going to trade what could be two second round picks for a season, maybe two of Aaron Rodgers... Two first-round picks for Lamar Jackson doesn't seem like that big of a deal. And honestly, if you're giving $110 million to Aaron Rodgers, which is what would happen cash-wise if the Jets get him for the next two years, how much more is it really going to be to give Lamar Jackson at that point? So if you consider all of those things, I totally understand it. A couple of points I would make, though. Number one, the prevailing wisdom is that the Ravens, despite the trade request, are going to match anything that's put out there. So if you're the Jets, you work on this offer sheet, you agree to a deal with Lamar, that takes a lot of time to put together. Then it takes a lot of time to put together the actual terms to send to Baltimore. Baltimore then has seven days to match it or not match it. You're doing all the work for them, and they're holding you up because as soon as you sign them to that offer sheet, that money gets frozen on the salary cap. You can't do anything. So the Jets would have an entire week where they wouldn't be able to make any transactions pretty much while they waited to see what happened with Lamar Jackson. So that factors into this because if you think that there's no way that the Ravens don't match, then that becomes an issue. Now, of course, I'm sure a lot of teams have a pretty good idea of where the Ravens' breaking point would be. Whether or not the Jets would be willing to get to that point is another story. I couldn't tell you that for sure. 
I would suspect that if Woody Johnson wants it bad enough, maybe he'd be willing to go the extra mile. But then again, maybe not. A lot of these owners are very nervous after the Deshaun Watson $230 million guaranteed contract last year. So who knows where these owners are willing to draw the line at this point. That said, I think the biggest factor here is that the Jets are so deep in on this Aaron Rodgers situation that at this point it would be very difficult to pivot to somebody like Lamar Jackson unless the entire thing fell apart and Lamar Jackson was still out there. Because let's say the Jets and Packers have a big blow up and this whole thing implodes and it becomes clear that it's not going to happen. Then absolutely, I would say you should 100% dive into the Lamar Jackson situation because at that point, what does it matter? If you don't get Lamar Jackson, then you can go make a trade for somebody else, but it won't matter if your resources are held up, right? By the time you would think this Aaron Rodgers thing would implode, if it did, you would have all these free agents and the rest of your cap would be spoken for. So I think it's a very complex situation. Like I said, in a vacuum, there's no question. If you're asking me what I'd rather give up two first rounders for Lamar Jackson or two second rounders for Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, of course, because he gives you that four to five year window. And I know that he's had injury issues. He's missed some games, all of that. But still, he's an electric talent. And for the next four to five years, as he breaks down, he should still be able to help you maximize the young, cheap roster that the Jets began building a year or two ago. So, yes, Lamar Jackson in a vacuum, better option, but given the circumstances, the reason why they're going for Aaron Rodgers becomes fairly clear. And as I said, I think they're so deep in on that right now that it's not realistic to pivot to Lamar Jackson unless something falls apart with Rodgers. This is a this is a great question, and 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 bear with me if I take a couple minutes because it's a great question. It's a great conversation. I've had it with, um, with people on our forums on Jet Nation. I've gone back and forth with people on Twitter. Um, I think there's so many layers to it, and so many things that make it interesting. But um, you know, first I'll preface it by saying if you look, you know, I tweeted out. I actually went back and looked at the tweet and thought, oh well, that could be misconstrued. But so let, let me clarify first. Um, when it first became a rumor, a thing that maybe Lamar Jackson would be uh, available. I tweeted out that I wouldn't even consider it. And I should have been more clear because I looked back and I thought, oh, I can see where someone would take that the wrong way. What I meant was that is just kind of like what I was saying about Aaron Rodgers. Like that is such a too good to be true scenario. I'm not even going to allow myself to believe that might happen. Like that is the absolute dream scenario that Lamar Jackson becomes available and the Jets get him. And that was when he, while he was injured, you know, I was like, he's injured. Fine. You live with it. Dynamic talent, all this, all that. Um, then somebody reminds me, well, he was injured last year too. And at that point I think, okay, you missed what five, six games last year, five, six games this year, added up, went back and looked at his, his game logs. He's missed a, well, he's been inactive 10 of his last 25 games. Another game he left after four snaps to me, that's no better than a missed game. So he's missed 11 of his last 25 games. At that point, I'm a hundred percent out complete one eight. Like this guy is Yes, electric, dynamic, all the words that we, all the, the terms you can use to describe them, we all agree with that. But the interesting thing with Lamar Jet Lake, so I'm all out because of the injuries. And obviously, he's nowhere near as good of a player. But I said the same exact thing with Jimmy Garoppolo, who I was like, yeah, maybe the Jets should go after him. I'm fine with that. Then he gets injured again last year. And I said, that's it. I'm out on this guy. Like, and I said on our podcast months ago, I'm all out on multi, you know, tens, hundreds of million dollar contracts on guys who can't stay on the field. So, Lamar Jackson, to me, the, the 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 single biggest thing is that he's a part of a Ravens organization that drafted him, that developed him. I don't know how many people realize this. I had forgotten for a little while. 
Ozzie Newsom still works for that team. He's still in that building. He's the guy who traded up to draft Lamar Jackson. If he's there, I would imagine the future Hall of Fame general manager has a voice in the room when they talk about this stuff. They uh, So w- with all of that in mind, I don't think there's another team in the NFL that wants or respects Lamar Jackson more than the Baltimore Ravens do. That's why they offered him $44 million a year fully guaranteed, which is a ton of money. Lamar Jackson turned that down. The Ravens now are not meeting his demands. So so th- there's the first piece of it. Like the team that, wa- that drafted him, wants him, respects him, likes him more than any other team in the NFL, isn't willing to meet his demands. But yet people are confused as to why another team wouldn't give up two first round picks and then meet those demands. Like the Ravens won't go to the demands. And everyone's like, why won't anyone else give up two firsts to, to meet the demands that the Ravens haven't met so far? Then there's what you mentioned, Scott, and many others have. The Ravens are probably just, John Harbaugh said a, a few weeks ago or a couple months ago, I am 200% sure Lamar will be back with us next year. To me, that means, and he wouldn't even have had to have said that, but to me, that means we are matching anything that comes in. We The Ravens feel like they've made an offer that is so generous that no one else will match it. Or if anyone else does, they won't be able to beat it by much, and they will then match that. So he's not going anywhere based on that stuff. The other thing with Lamar that's confusing to me and sort of along the lines of what I said with Joe Douglas and Aaron Rodgers' situation is that with Aaron Rodgers, everyone is ignoring the the you know the one-year aspect of Aaron Rodgers. Whereas with Lamar Jackson, since I've been a football fan, as far back as I can remember, um, you know, what the last, at least the last 15, 20 years, you constantly hear the term, the best ability is available. And for whatever reason with Lamar Jackson, that doesn't get discussed. But like the closest I saw anyone come to it, it was a little, you know, they do the the hot take arguments on ESPN or whatever. And I saw a clip on Twitter of like uh, Mike or um, Mad Dog, Chris Russo arguing with Keyshawn Johnson. And Keyshawn just kind of flippantly says, look, he's, a, he's an NFL player. Injuries are a risk. It's a risk with everybody. Like, and just glosses over it, but as if previous injury isn't an indicator of future injury. Like, when guys start getting hurt, guys sometimes keep getting hurt. So to act as if Lamar Jackson is no different than any other player is disingenuous because he has missed 11 of his last 25 games. And he has taken probably a 1,000-plus hits. And and I, that's the other thing I keep saying is this guy, he never gets, you know, he, he's, he's, he only gets hurt when he's in the pocket. He never gets hurt out of the pocket. That confuses the hell out of me. I'm like, why does that matter? I don't care where he was. His geographic location at the time of injury means nothing to me. Like, is the owner going to feel better? Hey, uh, Woody, uh, we traded for Lamar, but, you know, he's going to be out for the next 11 weeks, so our season's over. Oh, man, you know. But don't worry. He got hurt in the pocket, so it's okay. Like, you're hurt, you're hurt, you're out, you're out. So this is a guy who's taken a 1,000-plus hits. The injuries are starting to add up, and I point to – because we don't we don't have there's not another player in the history of the league that you can compare to Lamar Jackson in terms of what he's done and the hits he has taken. The closest you can get to it is Cam Newton, who was built like a truck. He's like three Lamar Jacksons. So we can take more abuse. But Cam Newton went from MVP to backup bench out of the league in a span of three, four, five years because the hits added up. The injury started to pile up and he was done. And it's sad, and it sucks, but it's reality. So to say that Lamar Jackson's been hurt two years in a row and missed 11 to 25 games due to injury, but players all of a sudden – and that's the other funny thing. I saw a tweet from a player yesterday, I forget who, 
But all every time I see fans talk about players' contracts on Twitter, I see all these players jump to the defense and say, stop watching other people's pockets. Stop worrying about somebody else's money. That's not your money. Mind your own business. But now with Lamar, it's like, when are these cheap owners going to pay this guy and give him his money? Like, now it's okay. So, like, all the rules are changing for Lamar. Like, now availability, durability, that doesn't matter. And it's okay to tell other people how to spend their money. Like, why would you hesitate, Arthur Blank, to spend $50 million a year on a guy who's missed games, big chunks each of the last two years? If I'm an owner, I'm not doing it. it yeah, if all things were equal, as I said at the top, like, when he when it was said that he could be available, I was 100% all in, go get Lamar Jackson if he's available, even though I couldn't see it happening. But again, then I was reminded, well, dude, you know he missed like five, six games last year too, right? And it's like, ooh, that's two consecutive years, big chunks missed. And who knows how much he wants? He turned down $44 million a year guarantee. Does he want 50? Does he want 55? Does he want 49? We don't know. But all that guaranteed money for a guy with those injuries, despite the fact his own current team that likes him more than anybody else won't match it, is enough for me to say I'm out. Next question comes in from Michael Christopher. Yes, if all three offensive tackles and Jackson Smith and Jigba are off the board at number 13, what direction would you go with the pick? Also, instead of center in the second round, is there another player you might target? Since the Jets have two second-round picks, but one of them is probably going to go in a Rodgers trade. So let's start with number 13. If the Jets are sitting at number 13 and Jackson Smith and Jigba is off the board and the three offensive tackles who you're talking about, I assume, are Broderick Jones, Peter Skronsky, and Paris Johnson, if none of those guys are available, I'd be looking to trade down. But if the Jets are not able to trade down, I would consider taking Darnell Wright, the offensive tackle from Tennessee. Now, I've seen him rising up in a lot of people's rankings. I believe Daniel Jeremiah has him as his number two tackle now, and so does Lewis Riddick. He's a really good offensive lineman, and he hasn't gotten the kind of buzz that some of these guys with incredibly high upside like Broderick Jones have. But if you're stuck at 13 and you can't get one of the receivers you want, you can't get one of those tackles you want, I don't know that I like the pass rushers. I think Lucas Van Ness would be gone by then anyway. I think you really could make a convincing case to just take right at number 13. He's a guy you could plug in right away and potentially be a staple on that offensive line for the next decade. So that's probably what I would do if I couldn't get one of those tackles you're talking about or if I couldn't get Jackson Smith and Jigba at 13 and I couldn't trade down. As far as the center part of this, if you're not picking a center in the second round, again, it really depends on what you do in the first round. If you don't take a tackle in round one, maybe you take one in round two. You could also potentially take a safety in round two, a linebacker in round two. I know Antonio Johnson in the safety category is somebody that's been talked about a lot. Jack Campbell from Iowa, I know you like him a lot, Glenn. There's a couple of different ways you could go. The Jets certainly have needs, but also it's a best player available situation. It could be a defensive tackle who's the best guy on the board at that point. I'd have to see how the board breaks before I'd be willing to tell you who I'm taking in that spot. But just off the top of my head, those are my thoughts. Yeah, we actually had this conversation uh, on our show a couple of days ago, and uh, I also I had some folks ask me, um, you know, what do you do? It, virtually, this question I had some people say, "What do you do if the, if the top three tackles are gone?" And my answer was the same as yours. Um, I actually a couple of months ago was Darnell Wright was a guy that I viewed as, you know, when I first breached the the the, the topic of, you know, might the Jets consider a receiver at thirteen. Um, and I thought, you know, if you think you can get Darnell right in the second round, then do it. Because, you know, I'm, I watched I watched a few of his games. I watched a few Tennessee games. Of course, the highlight was him against Alabama. 
Um, you know, for anyone who hasn't watched that game, he did a fantastic job against Will Anderson. So I'm looking at him as a, a big school guy playing against big time competition and just flat out dominating. So I, my thought process was, I don't know why this guy isn't in the conversation as a first rounder. Cause at that point he wasn't. Um, and I thought if, if this guy can fall to the second, then go ahead and take a receiver in the first. Um, and now it seems, you know, I think, I think you said Jeremiah's got him as his number two. Um, and he, he's absolutely in my mind worth the pick at 13, which is why I'm kind of no longer worried, you know, a couple months ago before Wright was being discussed as a first round prospect. Um, and before Anthony Richardson was being discussed as a first round prospect, I was really starting to sweat that I, I didn't think a tackle was going to make it to 13, but now we're hearing, you know, four quarterbacks are going to go in the top 10, four edge rushers might go in the top 10, um, you know, and then you're going to have, you know, the, the, uh, the Christian Gonzalez, you know, he's probably going in the top 10, 11, 12. So now I feel like, all right, now you've got four tackles and you, four quarterbacks are going. Um, there are those who say four edge rushers will go. You just need one other player to be taken in that top 12, which is, you know, of course, very likely like, you know, how far does, uh, how far does this Jalen Carter fall? You know, and you, you consider him at 13 if he falls, but I don't think he makes it past the team like Detroit. So in my mind, it's a virtual lock that a tackle falls to 13. Then it just becomes a question for the Jets of would we rather have a Jack, Jackson Smith and Jigba or, you know, Jordan Addison, who we've talked about, and then maybe hope for a, you know, is there a tackle like, like an Anton Harrison? You know, there has been talk of him as a first round guy. Jalen Duncan, I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, Cody March, do you want a guy out of a small school to step in year one? That's a little bit risky. Blake Freeland, you know, blew up the combine. So there are some round two options. But I think once you're outside those the big four, you know, Johnson, Jones, Skaronsky, right? Um, I, I would actually, I would throw Harrison in there as sort of a middle, you know, worth it in the first round. But once you're outside of those guys, you're, you're in risky territory. So I'm, I'm confident there will be one there. And I'm curious to see if the Jets decide they can get one in the second and grab a receiver. As far as centers go, Tipman's my guy uh, if they're going to grab one. Um, but there, there are a few guys in this class. Him, John Michael Schmitz, of course, we talked about. There are definitely some some quality options there. Luke Whipler, Ricky Stromberg, I liked a lot early in the year. Watched him against Cincinnati. Thought he played really well um, out of Arkansas. So there are some options out there. That's going to wrap up part two of the mailbag. Thank you to Glenn for coming on and answering some questions with me. Make sure that you check out everything that he's doing over at JetNation.com. Check out everything we're doing over at PlayLikeAJet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Some awesome all 22 breakdowns up on our channel right now, including breakdowns of the Jets' two newest wide receivers, Alan Lazard and Mecole Hardman. They're on our channel right now for you to watch, so check them out and subscribe to our channel if you haven't already, youtube.com slash playlikeajet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's teepublic.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, bless you, thank you shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies, it's all there, tpublic.com. That's teepublic.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital, playlikeajet.com.